Oh my God, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Audacity Academy. I don't wonder seriously how many times in my life I'm going to say that exact line. I can't wait until like the hundredth episode, the 500th episode, the thousandth episode and be like, please just put it on my tombstone when I die. But yes, welcome back to the Audacity Academy, everybody. I am here with another amazing guest. As I said, I'm not going to disappoint you. I've got amazing guests lined up. Today, we're here with one of my very good friends and clients, Gemma O'Brien. She's a PT, a teacher, an entrepreneur, a powerlifter, a bodybuilder, an Olympic weightlifter, a competitor. She does all the things and she's, as you can see, or you can't see if you're listening, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the blue hair and the tattoos and the piercings. She's just like such a fucking soul sister for me, <laughs> like, and the nail color, like she's a rock star. I love this woman so much. And I'm going to pass the mic over to her to introduce herself, tell y'all a little bit of her background and her story. And hopefully over the next 45 minutes, we will actually not hopefully we will bring you an amazing conversation. Gemma, go for it. Hell yeah. Um, wow. What an intro. Yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here, actually. I um, So my background, as Sarah said, I am a PT. I have been in the fitness industry for about 15 or so years, 15, 16 years now. Um, I've been working one-on-one -on -one with PT uh, clients for a long, long time. Um, but I, I do a lot of things. I do online. I've got an online business. I do face-to-face -face PT. I'm also a teacher. So I teach at an institute in Australia um, and I teach PTs how to be PT. So I do like the, you know, the qualification for that. Um, yeah, I, as Sarah said, I'm a bit of an athlete occasionally, every now and then. I like to pick up heavy shit and throw it over my head. Am I allowed it to swear, happens. by the way? Actually, yes, absolutely. Of course I'm allowed to swear. What a stupid fucking question. Yeah, um, Sarah, this is yeah. Sarah's podcast. <laughs> no, I love it. It's the best and, and I'm all about it. Bring it on. But um, yeah, so yes, I do love to, uh, to throw a heavy shit over my head and, and throw it down. Um, so I've competed in bodybuilding. I've also competed in powerlifting, CrossFit, um, also um, strong woman stuff as well. So I've been strong woman comps for a while. And I also more recently have been an Olympic weightlifter um, competing like competitively, um, competed internationally as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, sort of got into more business stuff in the recent time. So the, the training side of things hasn't been as much of a focus. But, um, yeah, we're bringing it back. It's Gemma 2.0 this year. So we'll see how yes. we go with that. But, yeah. Yes. So amazing. Yes. Amazing, amazing. So tell us a little bit. You indicated when you filled out your form and signed up. And, and everything for the interview, you were giving me some background information and it sounded like you've had quite a journey with how people pleasing has impacted your life, especially in your twenties and early thirties. Talk to me a little bit about that and how it's impacted you in your fitness and in your business. hundred percent. Look, I've been, honestly, I, I've been a people pleaser and, and really all about making people happy for most of my life. I'm mm -hmm. a classic empath. I'm very, very empathic. I'm very much, um, you know, connected to people and I feel people's energy and stuff. So for me, people, in order for me to feel good about myself when I was younger, and these are obviously things I've learned over the years, but in order for myself to feel good about myself, I had to make everybody else happy. And mm -hmm. if everyone else was happy, then I was happy. And so it was a really like, at the time, I thought I was the best person in the world. And so I was always everyone's friend. I was always the one who would always do anything for anyone, be available mm -hmm. whenever. Um, and then, you know, I would just, I was the one inside who was like, well, but where are people for me? Because it never happened, right? Like, mm -hmm. I would always be available for people. I'd go out of my way and do things for people. Um, from family right through to friends, to business, to everything. Like, I'm loyal to a fault. And I have been for many, many years. Up until I started to really do some really intense work on myself from a spiritual uh, spiritual perspective and emotional perspective and recognize that, you know, my biggest core wound was was rejection, really, um, from, and, and it's funny because I never was rejected by my family. I actually had a really great mm -hmm. upbringing in terms of my, my, you know, my parents and things like that. My mom did pass away when I was young, when I was 10, from bowel cancer, but overall, I had a great um, childhood in terms of my the you know the unit as such in terms of my my dad and my brother and stuff like they adore me and I adore them mm -hmm. um, but 
when my dad got remarried, it triggered a lot of, I think, wounding as a young girl to like, I couldn't handle the fact that there was another woman in the picture. It was no longer my mom. It wasn't me. It was another woman coming in. So mm-hmm. um, that kind of filtered into my adult life. And I really recognized that as I got, you know, further and further along in, in my journey and stuff. And yeah, like everything from pe- people pleasing to, to relationships for guys, like, you know, I, I've been notorious in terms of always allowing someone to get away with shitty behaviour, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and allowing, you know, no, not having any boundaries, not having guys be accountable for their actions, um, allowing guys to gaslight me. Um, I've had guys literally tell me they love me and then, like, ghost me two weeks later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there was some pretty epic level shit that kind of happened. And, you know, and to this day I'm still single because... I made a decision, like, you know, I did a lot of like casual dating here and there and stuff, but I hadn't actually had anyone as a, um, you know, as a relationship for the last 10 years. And um, I made a decision. I promised myself like four, no, three years ago, probably three years ago, three or four years ago. I was like, I am not going to allow someone to come into my life. Like I'm not going to be in a relationship with someone who, unless they prove to me and show me, how much better it is to be in that relationship than being single is. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. And I'm more than happy being single. So until someone is able to actually be like, you know, if I until I find someone who can basically show me that they're worth not being single for, then I'll continue being single and I'll continue living my life. But, yeah, I had to learn some pretty horrendous lessons, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's been some, some interesting stuff along the way. At what point did you realise... I guess what was rock bottom? You recognize the people pleasing patterns and you realize, whoa, something has to change. I have to learn boundaries. I've got to make some kind of a change. At what point did that happen? I think it happened around probably because I'm so just to, you know, put numbers out there. I'm I'm 39. I've just turned 39. So um I I I really and I, I don't look at I know. Um <laughs> not a day, not a day over you know what? 21. It's- Honestly, I'm not kidding. I've got people at work who thought I was 25. And I'm like, you're funny. <laughs> so, but um, no, look, I I really recognized heavily in terms of my own worth because it all came down to self-worth. It came mm-hmm. down to the belief, the, the belief that I was worth more than the shitty behavior that I was accepting. Absolutely. Um and that really kicked in in my mid, early to mid 30s. But it took me that long. Like it took me a long time to get to that point because I was accepting of shitty behavior. I was accepting of gaslighting. I was accepting. And and even recently, like I was in a, I wouldn't say a relationship last year. It was more of a. Uh, hmm, Situationship. Yes, let's call it that. <laughs> I, I love that word. Like it's just like, but at the same time, it's like, how did we even get to that point of being a situationship? Like, what the fuck is that? That's um, the entire point. The situationship is how did we get here? That is the very definition of a situationship. You don't know how it yeah. happened. <laughs> no. And I find myself in these situationships for that very reason, because it, it was really a case that I was more interested in someone being with me and wanting to be with me and proving that they wanted to be with me, but not, but accepting that they didn't really want to be with me. Like mm-hmm. they were with me to a point, but they wouldn't then go, no, no, like I really want to be with you. But mm-hmm. I was like, well, hey, at least I'm getting something. So if I'm getting something, it shows that they're at least interested. You know, mm-hmm. they may not, might not be ready now, but like they must be interested because they're here. It's like, no, motherfucker, they're not here because <laughs> they actually want to be here. They're here because there's, you know, it's easy for them. It's no, it's no, no work for them, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm not about that life. I put a lot of work into my whole freaking life. I'm mm-hmm. not about to let someone do that. But yeah, look, I think um, in terms of like the real reason, the the timing that I realized was it was, it was from being with people. And there was one person in particular who I had spent some time with and they just refused to be in a relationship. They wanted to see me continuously and everything they did showed me that they wanted to be with me. But then like, yeah, in my mid-30s, it just they just were like, no, but I don't want a relationship. It's like, well, 
I can't do this anymore. And I just made that decision. I was like, I am not going to do this anymore. Like it's degrading to me. It's empty for me. There's nothing enjoyable about it. And on top of that, the other situations that I have occasionally is where people who are in relationships try and hook up with me or try to mess around with me. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, go back to your wife, go back to your girlfriend, Mm -hmm. fuck off now, not Mm -hmm. interested. Yeah. And it's like you had to hit that point where you just suddenly realized you weren't available for that anymore. I'm just not available for it. It's like the switch needed to flick in your brain. Now, could anybody have told you or was this something that you needed to get? You needed to get down. You're nodding. So is this something you needed to get to on your own? 100%. There is no way that you can be told like I, and I've had these conversations with people, like I've had conversations with friends, um, family until I've been freaking like, you know, ready to slap myself out because it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, what can't you understand? This person is not right. Like they're not treating you right. You deserve better. Um, and yeah, nothing gets through. And for me, nothing gets through because when you're in that state, I think of, of feeling so much like you need that, validation you need that acknowledgement because that's a basic human need right we need acknowledgement we need appreciation mm-hmm. um but if, and if you're getting that appreciation it becomes kind of intoxicating you know mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to let that go yeah like, I can't it's a dopamine. let that go it, it is an addiction it's like a, a dopamine hit when you get that 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 recognition and that validation and that acceptance and that hundred percent focus and gratitude that someone gives you. It is just like, it's better than sex. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I'm a recovering people pleaser myself. So I can honestly vouch for the fact that it's like orgasmic when you connect with someone and they're that thankful for you in that moment, it's something you just want to do over and over and over again. Oh man. It's so intense. It's so intense, but what had to happen? Do you think I know you had that click moment. You had that moment. You're like, oh, something needs to change. I'm done. I'm not available for this anymore. But from someone who's still stuck in that addiction of I need to people, please. I need to people, please. Is there anything that you think could have accelerated your process to get to that? I'm unavailable for it moment. I think all of us have intuition, right? All of us know when something doesn't quite feel right or doesn't quite feel in line with what it is that we stand for or what we believe in, but we accept it anyway. And I think in the moment, like we're sort of taught not to listen to that little voice Mm -hmm. until you obviously start doing the work on yourself and people are like, ah, whatever, that's just, you know, doesn't just ignore that because this is what I want. It's like, but that little voice is trying to protect you. That little voice is actually trying to show you that is not the way. And and that's the thing, like last year, the situationship (laughs) we're talking about that I was in, I didn't listen to the little voice. I knew deep down that that person wasn't the right person for me. I knew that because of certain behavior, certain conversations, the way he treated my freaking dogs, not mm. okay, right? Mm. Like that was a no-go. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah, you know, obviously know, and now we tell the people like how much of a dog person you are, an animal person you are, I'm the same. I have two, mm-hmm. fur, well, three fur babies of my own and they are my world and like, I allowed someone to come in and dictate how my dogs were able to be in the house when he was in the house. And I was like, I did it because it was like what made him feel uncomfortable. So from my perspective, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and, you know, um, negotiate the situation and, and, you know, be allowing not to the behavior, but to accept that, okay, that's him. That's okay. But I made it okay, but it wasn't okay. Cause in my freaking house, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. my dogs. And that, if anything, was like the biggest moment for me because there was a little voice that said, this isn't right. Yes, he's giving you some level of acknowledgement. Yes, he's giving you phenomenal sex. Don't get me wrong. It was amazing. But that wasn't enough because as a person deep, deep down, it it, it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And he was going against all of my my morals and beliefs and values and judgments. So... Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, on a number of occasions, kicked him out of the house because he was being an asshole. <laughs> and the thing is, in the end, I just, I just, I just decided that was it, no more. And I cut him out completely. But yeah, I think if I could tell anyone in terms of, you've got to listen to that voice, that little voice that's telling you, 
are you sure about this? Is this the right thing? This you you, you this doesn't feel right to you. Mm-hmm. Deep deep down, you know that this doesn't feel right. But we still do it anyway because we want to you know support someone else, or we want to give that um, that love, or we want to ex- we want to feel that love coming from somebody else, even though it's not love. It's mm-hmm. real. So, so wonder, yeah, I'm sure the sooner. I'm sure I'm sure this is definitely true for me. I'm sure it's true for you. If it is really training ourselves to listen to that intuitive nudge, I, mm, I'm sure we can't really accelerate someone's, I guess we could collapse time. If we want to go quantum with the conversation, we could accelerate and collapse time, but let's not completely freak everyone out with woo-woo talk. So I'll just say the sooner we start working on ourselves and training ourselves to listen to the intuitive nudges, even if it's just on a basic level, like what do you want for breakfast? How are you actually feeling today? What do you actually need today? If you just start practicing on that very, very small level, listening to what the intuition is saying to you, it gets you in the habit of starting to trust it because it's building trust with yourself. It's really our relationships with other people. Correct me if I'm wrong from your perspective is really just about a relationship with ourself. 100%. 100%. It's you a were, reflection on everything. Absolutely. Yeah. You were stuck in cycles of people pleasing because you were struggling with giving yourself, you were looking outside of yourself for something that you needed. But now that you can give that to yourself, you said you've been single for a very long time. How are you feeling in that area? I'm good. I mean, look, I would love to be in a relationship. I've got a lot of love to give. I know that I would be amazing in a relationship, but Mm -hmm. like I said, it it doesn't bother me. I'm not needing... I'm not in a needy place. I've I've come out of that neediness. And I think that that's what it comes down to as well, because when we need something in terms of relationship or a person, like you said, it's reflective of what it is that's missing in our own life. Mm-hmm. If you feel you need anything from someone, you need that love, you need that acknowledgement, you need that, well, then you need to give that to yourself first before you actually even consider taking it from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have a lot of love to give but I'm only giving it to the people in my world who I feel are deserving of it. And I want to give it because it feels right and in alignment for me. Um, You know, and I only work with clients who I want to work with. Same kind of thing. You helped me with that one. (laughs) You definitely supported me through that one. Um, And yeah, like I'm very clear on the boundaries of what it is and what I will and won't accept anymore. But from a relationship perspective, I'm... I know what I want, I know what I'm looking for, and I know how it feels, and I'm okay until the time comes when it's meant to happen. It'll happen mm-hmm. when it's meant to happen. No need to push these things. No need to force anything because you can't yeah. force it anyway. Mm-mm. So, And you'll recognise it when it happens, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Because you, you have this image in your mind, not of exactly what it looks like, but what the standards are. It's like mentally you have a checklist. The respect, 100%. the value, the reciprocation, the acknowledgement, the, 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 a man who's working on himself, who's giving to himself, who's an equal match for you. When you have this checklist in your mind and you're very firm on it and secure in it, it's very clear to see when someone is not checking a box and then it's personal accountability, whether or not you want to ignore the fact that that box isn't checked <laughs> and you know, that's right. And that's what we're talking and about. And that's dating <laughs> and that's dating, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's uh, it. And that's the funniest thing, you know, cause I have actually not, and I, and I was thinking about this the other day, cause someone said, oh, you should get out there and start dating. And I'm like, I've never freaking dated in my life. Like I've never actually gone out and dated people like it I don't know that hasn't been a thing I've done so maybe that's the next step for me maybe it's a case that I do go out and start dating and start meeting all these people but then again I'm very protective of my energy these days like even with friends and family and it's because of the you know the commitments that I have on a daily basis Mm -hmm. I only have a finite amount of energy to give to people and outside of what I already do and it's like do I give it or do I keep it for myself? No, I'm going to keep it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Like, and yeah, at this point, 
Am I wanting a relationship? Like actually wanting it to happen right now? I don't know if I am. I'm quite happy just being like in my zone of what I'm doing. Like I said, when the time is right, when it's meant to happen, it'll happen. The universe will open up whatever, you know, get yeah, let's get all frou-frou, but it's true. Like it'll happen when it's meant to happen. Worst so, case, truly- he breaks into your house one day, you know? <laughs> you know, you never know. Like, Have you I'm seen that meme? Have you seen that meme where it's just like, yes, I want a relationship, but at this rate, he's going to have to break into my house because on yeah. my days off, I like never leave the couch. It cracks me up every time. Because <laughs> that's so you and that's so me as well. It's like, I'm either at the gym or I'm lying on my couch with my dog. So my And like, heaven got- help him if he interrupts us while we're lifting. <laughs> Don't even, I swear, the looks that I get from guys and then I look at them and I can see them looking at me through the reflection in the mirror that I'm looking at. And I'm like, don't even try it. Don't mate. even Don't think even about it. it. <laughs> I'm going to drop a 45 pound plate on your foot if you come anywhere near me. (laughs) 100%. I'm like, not available. Like, earphones are in, not available for you to come near me. And I think it's true, though, right? I reckon you and I would be like some hardcore bitches that people would be just like, don't mess with those girls. You know, and it's the energetic boundaries. It's the energetic boundaries. When you really and truly embody your boundaries and your standards to my audience, like, let this be a lesson when you really and truly step into and embody your boundaries. It is a vibrational frequency that you emit. You become, it's about becoming the person that people don't test. It's about becoming the person you, they look at you and they know you are someone that you do not question. You do not test. You do not approach when the headphones are in at the gym. You don't try it's just, it's an energy that you admit that's true embodiment of your standards and your boundaries is becoming that person that people can look at you and they see it on the outside. You don't have to say anything. If you're having to scream your boundaries from the rooftops, they're not real boundaries. They're not embodied. They have no why behind them. They have no true standards behind them. And it's just like, I love the gym analogy and how you just segue the conversation in that, because that was just a perfect teachable moment thank you so much for that pleasure pleasure and I'm gonna segue the conversation right back and pick up on something that you said earlier where you just you have a limited amount of energy to spend you said and you have to choose do I give it or do I keep it and once upon a time when you were in people-pleasing mode there would have been no question you would have given that energy away so how did you learn how to self-reflect enough to be able to take stock of how much energy you have to give and where to put it I think it just became a case that like because of the industry that I'm in being the fitness industry and and I mean you can obviously relate being in the coaching industry and so on as well it's an extremely energetically taxing um you know industry to be in like you're Mm -hmm. constantly giving out energy all the time like I've ran CrossFit classes majority of my career where I've got anywhere from five up to 30 people in a class. And so, you know, at five o'clock in the morning, you have to be all of the energy for everyone and then some to get them pumped to actually do the class. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking about a little bit of a, you know, like like move around a little bit. No, no, we're talking about like throwing barbells over their heads and going for runs and, you know, pulling themselves up over a bar 5,000 times in a workout sort of thing. So at my energy, I know, right? Like, mm. <laughs> Every time I said it was my busiest class, my earliest class was always my busiest class. And it's like, you people are weird. Like I would never train at that time. Hell no. <laughs> Not without <laughs> no. significant calories in my system. Mm. No, or, or lots of coffee. Lots of mm-hmm. coffee. See, it even says not before coffee. See? Um, but so, yeah, but in terms of my, where I came to that self-awareness, it really was a case that like, I I've always been the party girl. I've always been the girl who's going out for drinks, going out for dinners, done on the things, you know, with my friends and stuff. And the partying got less and less and less and less because I just didn't, one, have the energy because I was tired from training and I had other commitments. And two, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I just wasn't enjoying going out for drinks and getting all messed up and fucked up, you know, and Mm -hmm. feeling like having a hangover the next day. And I'm not getting any younger 
and the hangover's got worse and worse and worse as I've been getting older. Let's but, not even talk about how yeah. I hit. Mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, yeah, so it kind of started there. And then I noticed that, like, if I had a choice of going out or staying home, I started to kind of choose staying home. And I started to feel like I'd wake up the next day and I was like, huh, I feel good. I feel energetic. I might go to the gym. I might go for a walk, take my dogs for a walk, whatever. And it really started to go, no, no, I, I prefer this. And days would happen where I wouldn't speak to anyone. I wouldn't call anyone, text anyone, nothing, no social media, nothing. And I'm, you know, and I sort of got to a point where I was like, I, I actually prefer this. I feel like, and I've always been very extroverted but I enjoy my time. I enjoy my sanctuary. I enjoy my space. I need my space now. And it's actually Mm -hmm. literally become my recharge. And if I don't get it, I feel it. And I am actually more depleted and I'm worse off for everyone around me if I don't get it now. So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. And with someone, I, I always used to be, I remember when I was younger, I used to come home and I'd turn on the TV I'd turn on the music, I'd put the, mu- the TV on mute. I'd turn on music, um, I'd go into the, you know, the kitchen, I'd start moving around move and, and make noises. And I realised, and this was when I was in my early 20s when I first lived on my own, and I realised in my later years, I was like, that was such a distraction. That was such a desire and that need to feel like I was around people and I was constantly surrounded by movement and noise and, and, and other people. Now... I'll come home, TV doesn't go on, hang out with my dogs, have a shower, get some food, go to bed. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. simple. And I'm, I feel very calm and very centered. I don't feel like there's any frantic energy and I actually much prefer this. Mm-hmm. In terms of having someone in my life, um, I still talk to my friends and stuff at night sometimes, but we just talk. We don't see each other. Like we'll have a conversation or we'll text but I don't actually see people like after work and things like that. If I was in a relationship, would I make, would I make room and time for someone in my world? hundred thousand percent. There's no question, mm-hmm. but it would be on my time. It wouldn't be because I needed to see them. Mm-hmm. It would be, no, I'll catch up with you on the weekend or I'll see you on Friday night, you know, after work or something like that. Whereas before I used to need why isn't he calling? Why is he texting? Why am I getting mm. a message? What's going mm-hmm. on? It's been two hours. What's going on? Yeah. And I, I, I don't have the capacity for that anymore. If someone texts me more than once every hour or two hours, I've had clients who've done that. I've been like, no, 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 back off. <laughs> like boundary, you know, mm-hmm. and, and don't come near me sort of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that is honestly how I, I honestly feel like just getting a bit older but also just realizing that there's more to life than, than constantly giving out your energy to everyone. Mm-hmm. So once that. you hit that point, whenever it was, when you started setting boundaries in your romantic relationships last year, it sounds like was really when you started locking those down added with your friends and your social life, with work, with business, with clients, with teaching, with all the things that you do, do you feel like your boundaries were well-received? Yeah. I don't feel like I lost people out of my life. Mm -hmm. I won't lie. I've definitely had people who were not committed to my, to our friendship or our relationship for one reason or another, they're no longer in my life. But I believe that that's happened for a reason, whether or not we serve the purpose in each other's lives. And then now it's time to be apart. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't feel like, yeah, I don't feel like it's um, it's been by any stretch. Like I, I just, yeah, I feel like that there's been my friends, my family and stuff, I think have received it really, really well. I don't, I've never had a conversation with anyone who's given me shit about the fact that I haven't been available at mm-hmm. all. Awesome. Yeah. Why do you think that yeah. is? I think it's because I'm so firm on them. But I don't do it with malice and I don't do it with anger. I'm not an angry chick. Like I'm quite an easygoing kind of chick. But it's like I know. So because I know, they know. Mm-hmm. And in, 
if you don't know, if you don't have that certainty and that knowing, like you said, when you're embodying it, right, Mm -hmm. you embody it, you give respect to yourself, then people respect you. And, And that was, I think, one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn in my adult life was truly around worthiness and respect, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I demand respect from people. Like I, I, I literally walk into a room and, and I do have people turn around and I do have people command, like I command their respect um, mm-hmm. without even trying. And it's great, <laughs> especially in, <laughs> especially as a teacher. Like I love teaching, but like I know that the students all respect me. Um, there may be a little mini tiny smidge of like, not fear, but, you know, I'm, I'm quite a, physically formidable chick like I'm not small I'm five foot ten um and I'm you know got a fair bit of size on me so I stand next to some guys and there can be an intimidation factor but I don't know if it's so much intimidation as it is respect and I do Mm -hmm. feel that um and being in this teaching role I feel like has actually allowed me um to heighten that feeling of respect so Mm -hmm. absolutely continuing to put yourself in situations where you are challenging yourself I feel like develops your own self-respect like holy shit I did that holy shit I'm really teaching a classroom of students holy shit I really just put that weight above my head and it builds that's why I always tell my students I always tell my clients challenge yourself constantly do the hard things put yourself out of your comfort zone that's how you build your confidence that's how you build your sense of self-worth that's how you build your own self-respect if you are acting as someone who you respect, then it translates into how other people see you as well. Would you say 100%. that's true? That's true for you? Yeah, hundred percent. I I've sort of had this conversation with clients in regards to like pain and change and because nothing good will actually result in your life if there's no change that occurs. There has to be a change, whether it be in your own personal um in your own personal internal self or in your behavior or in, you know, some change in your diet or change in your um, routine or whatever it is or changing your job, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But nothing, there's a certain level of discomfort that must have come as a result of creating change in your world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the level of discomfort that we're able to handle. What is our pain? And this is a, a thing I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by is people's concept of pain and how much pain can people handle. And pain is a really, really badly um, sort of viewed word. But in actual fact, if you change it to the word discomfort, which is the same mm-hmm. kind of thing, right, it means that you do actually then create a certain amount of change. So for me in the role that I'm in, obviously with clients and even my students and stuff, like, they're thrown in a situation where, you know, the, the, um, the course that we put them through is very intensive, very, a lot of work. And a lot of them will absolutely soar because they thrive on it, right? They thrive on pushing themselves. They thrive on that. So they, they grow and, you know, they become incredible trainers as a result. Others struggle. Others plummet because that change, that discomfort is too much. That stress is too much. So it's something that I'm, I'm really um, fascinated by is, is people's level of how much discomfort, how much uncomfortability they can handle in order to create that change in their world. And if you can create, if you can handle that discomfort, and I mean, you know me, like I'm someone who I love throwing myself in the deep end of like all of the discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm kind of masochistic in the sense that I'm all about pushing myself physically, pushing myself mentally, pushing myself emotionally. And sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit nuts because it's like the shit that I actually put myself through is on another level. And I put so much pressure on myself to create the things that I want to create. But yeah, the things that you, when you look back and you go, holy shit, I did that. Like you said, or holy shit. Oh my God, I I lifted that. And and every single little step along the way got me to this point. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. I'm the shit. Like, yeah, it's the best feeling, right? And then you don't need to look elsewhere for acknowledgement or validation because you've validated yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, you're such a rock star. It killed me. <laughs> you're so fucking cool. You're so fucking cool. So you said family friends have received your new boundaries well as you've gone through this. 
has there been a situation where someone did not receive a boundary? Well, not, and I'm not talking about someone who just gradually stopped talking to you and kind of like remove themselves. That's the ideal situation is someone who doesn't agree with you or like you just kind of gradually disappears poof, in a puff of smoke, but has there been a yeah. client situation, a professional situation, anything that has come to a conversation where they actively disagreed with you? Oh, look, I, I had, um, there were a couple of clients where I had to put down a certain boundary in terms of my availabilities of time mm -hmm. and my, you know, because as a PT, like face-to-face -face PT, you only have so much time, right? Um, and there was a couple of situations where there has been uh, a client or two who has actually said to me, you know, um, uh, you kind of seem like you don't care anymore or you, you seem like um, you're not as available or, um, you know, something's changed, you know, in, in you or something along those lines. And the conversation was had around the fact that I was, I just had to be very, very honest and just say, my circumstances have changed. It's just the way it is. My growth is occurring. Your growth is occurring. Um, I'm still with you every step of the way with regards to your journey and your situation. And I'm, I'm here to support you as much as I can. You please understand that this is the next level for me in terms of my own growth and journey. So if you want to keep working with me, this is what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. um, again, you help me with that. So you definitely tell me on that one. <laughs> it's um, what I do. I know, right? But yeah, look, <laughs> I couldn't have had that kind of conversation under normal circumstances five years ago. There's no freaking way, right? Mm -hmm. Even the guy last year that I told you about, there's no way I would have stood up to him and spoke to him the way I did if I was with anybody else five years ago. No fucking chance. Mm -hmm. So I know, I definitely know that like some people don't like it. But as far as I'm concerned, if they don't stay in your world and they don't like it, it's not your issue. It's theirs. Like they can't take it. See you later, sunshine. Mm -hmm. Like it's good having you in my world, but you don't get to stay. It's just that simple. And if they choose to stay, then obviously, yeah, you you allow them to stay on whatever parameters or whatever boundaries that you decide to to allow them to be in. Mm -hmm. So because everyone else has a right to their boundaries and their standards as well. And that's something that I've said it on other podcast episodes, and I'll say it again, people's reaction to you is a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of you. They're that's we're it. all just mirroring each other. So if they're reacting, it's 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 always going to be about them and their standards and their boundaries. And I'm not, I don't, I think the word trigger, like they're triggered gets thrown around way too much. It's just, it's not always necessarily a trigger. So we're not going to take the, the conversation there, but if someone is reacting to you setting a boundary and they don't like it, it's okay for us to go, but this is still my boundary and you're entitled to feel how you feel about it. And if we're going to have to agree to disagree, it is what it is. I'm not here to convince you that my boundary is the right way. I don't owe anybody an explanation. My boundary is the right way for me. And if mm. that is not what you're available for, then I respect that. But I'm closing the door on this relationship at this point. <laughs> We're done here. Yeah. Yeah, There's exactly. Nothing else to be said. Because you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change your mind. And I don't want to change your mind. Everyone's That's entitled it. to their human experience. So I love that it's you all had... about acceptance. Yes, it is acceptance and respect. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Because for me, once I started to accept that people are the way they are, mm -hmm. and that's okay, because they're living their lives, they're living their journey. I'm living mine. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the work on my side. If they choose not to do the work or they choose to have a different mindset to me, that's okay. I Like you said, I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm not mm -hmm. here to try to change anyone's mind. If I'm able to influence them to allow them to have a newer perspective, mm -hmm. amazing. But if they don't, then that's cool too. Like it's it's not up to me. This isn't This isn't what I'm here for. I'm not here to convince or prove anything to anyone. Um, and again, part, that big one. Yeah. Part of being a leader is recognizing where your people are at and being able to meet them where they are at and converse with them where they are at. That's the leadership. 
And Mm -hmm. it's not about coercion or forcing or manipulating or any of the things that people interpret the idea of boundaries, interpret the idea of standards, interpret the idea of respect, and they turn it into toxicity to try to manipulate the world around them. And that's not what this is about. That's not what these conversations are about. That's not what this podcast is about. That's not what my work is about. That's not what your work is about. It's about us in our own personal development journeys, learning over time that we have our lane, our beautiful lane. It can be filled with animals or no animals. It can be painted black or purple or blue or tie-dye. It can be whatever we want it to be because it's ours. Or as I call it, I use the bubble analogy. I like bubbles rather than lane. We all have our bubble. You have your bubble. I have my bubble. Our bubbles exist all together. And our boundaries are the outer perimeter of that bubble. And if we like float around and bump into each other, that's fine because we're all protected by our boundaries. We're all protecting our bubble with our boundaries and we're all entitled to that right. Not trying to tear your bubble apart, not trying to pop your bubble, not trying to break the front door down. I'm not trying to make your bubble my bubble. We're all just doing the best we can. We're all entitled to that human experience, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's funny, actually, it reminds me of a story um, that, one of my clients so she had a situation where a colleague of hers who she'd grown really close to so she was a superior to him he was kind of like she was like a mentor to him in a way and they became quite close and um one day he just let go and just completely ripped her apart like and screamed at her nonstop for two hours and I the first thing I said to her because she was sitting on the phone whilst he was screaming at her and she's sitting there talking to him, but she wasn't talking because he's screaming. And I, the first thing I said to him, like, why didn't you hang up? <laughs> like, why did you just sit there and take it? And she's a notorious people pleaser as well. She and I, she, she's kind of like me 10 years ago. And I managed to support her through this whole process because it heightened some massive, massive, massive wounding for her. And, um, and, and also she had like huge reactions to when she um, had to spend time with him and stuff like that. Like she really like reacted mm-hmm. extremely negatively. And I supported her through the journey to where she is now, which is essentially apathy. So she's now at a point where she's put her boundaries down around him. She's very clear. She had conversations at work shut off any real uh, interaction with him from now on, even though mm-hmm. they kind of had to work together in the same, um, the same department. But I helped her and I didn't force. And that was the thing. And this is the, the thing, right? Like her boundaries are her boundaries, but she didn't have any boundaries. And that was the actual interesting thing. I had to help her teach her how to have boundaries whilst also having a mutual respect for herself and also letting him be on his journey. And because she had a lot of pain, a lot of a lot of hurt around the situation, which was so it was such a toxic situation for her. Which totally, like, he ripped her apart and and literally, like, just handed her ass to it, sort of thing on a platter. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, "What just happened?" Like, and she was she was beside herself. So I had to help her teach her some boundaries, but also because she was holding on to the anger, what happened between the two of them, so so much. She actually, I had to help her get to a point of almost forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And while she doesn't fully forgive him, she's now at a point where she's like, oh, I don't give a shit anymore. I don't care. But it took 18 months, almost two years to get her to that point. Mm-hmm. But it was, it yeah, time. traumatic, super yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Because your boundaries, was, your boundaries can't be about the other person. As much as it, as, as it is, you think about it, oh, I'm setting these personal boundaries with the other person. It's not actually about the other person. It's about you and it's like kudos to you for being able to lead her through that and hold her hand through that because that's not easy work not at all not easy on her part and not easy for you either because you through that also had to respect your own boundaries and make sure to not get in the box with her and take on her pain as your own and I'm sure you were dealing with your own triggers and your own trauma that came up possibly from interactions with people that were similar so you I think you handled that situation amazingly and um I'm proud of you and her. That's, that's well, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah, teaching boundaries, learning boundaries, that shit takes time. 
It's, it takes yeah. time. It has to be integrated into the rest of the work, self-worth, validation, self-respect, standards. To be honest, values. this is the stuff, this is the stuff that like teenage girls need to learn though. They need to learn it, you know, young girls, even early twenties, like they need to learn it because girls at that age, they just don't have the boundaries. They don't have it. Young people in general don't young yeah. people in general struggle with having boundaries. And I found that, and this is, I'm not going to open, we're coming to a close. So I'm not going to get on this soapbox right now. I swear to God, but my book's coming out and it's going to be in my course. People are not taught to set boundaries and they are also not taught to respect boundaries. There's a two part there. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> swear to God. No is a complete sentence. You got to respect people's boundaries. Um, and I really want to ask you this last question before we wrap up. <clears throat> sure. When you were stuck in people-pleasing mode, before you learned how to set boundaries for yourself, do, yeah. do you think you struggled in any way to respect other people's boundaries? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So when I was in hardcore people-pleasing mode and I wanted all of the love and all of the attention, all of the affection. For example, with guys, perfect example, you know, sitting by a phone waiting for a guy to message or call you and getting all shitty because he hasn't, that's not respecting his boundaries. Simple. Whether or not he wants to call you or not, irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The fact is it's his boundaries. And we sit there and we get the shits with the fact that someone hasn't actually called us or messaged us because why hasn't he called? Oh my God, he hasn't like mm -hmm. me. And let's be real, this goes on for years, you know, in the dating world, like all over. And I hear it, I hear it on the train sometimes when I've been on the trains or I've been in the coffee shops, like, oh my God, he still hasn't messaged me back. Just like, <laughs> dude, like, <laughs> it's not your fucking boundaries like <laughs> let him be a man let him be a man and come to you or fuck him off it's that simple like <laughs> it's really that simple stop forcing shit to happen that's not meant to happen because if it happens when it's not meant to happen it's gonna fuck you up <laughs> <laughs> like legit it's true but yeah 100 absolutely i i was all about wanting things on my time my terms my timeline I believe that because I would do X, Y, and Z for everybody else, they should do it for me. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone's deserving of love. Everyone's deserving of support. Everyone's deserving of, of, you know, people giving them respect for sure. But like, whether or not someone does that or not, like, that's not your issue. It's got nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. As long as you conduct yourself in such a way that you are respectful, you are you know, you uphold your, your values, your morals and your own boundaries because the fuck what anyone else is going to do. That's mm -hmm. their life, their world, their journey, simple. And that's, yeah, I, 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 grew, I took a long time to learn that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I took a long time to be accepting that it's just not got anything to do with me. As soon as I started to get accepting of the fact that, you know, a certain person is not available to be available on my terms, on my time, it changed everything. Like I don't expect messages or calls from people anymore. It's like, oh, they call, they call. If they don't, they don't. Meh, whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's so freeing. It's freeing, it is, man. It is liberating. So freeing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Liberating. Oh, because then, then you get to go, okay, so he's not texting, he's not calling. And instead of hyperfixating on it and allowing it to spiral you into an obsession and a reaction, because that's what it is, is you get sucked into it and you react to it. You're free to go. Oh my God, I have time. What do I want to do with it? Exactly. And live your own fucking life, right? I get to go to the gym. I get to bake cookies. I get to take a nap. I get to play with my dogs. I get to go date somebody else since this motherfucker clearly is not pursuing me. You know, there's all yeah. this room and energy for you to go and live your life when you have created that room after you've set boundaries. Mm -hmm. So true. And that, no, so true. It's so true. Oh, this conversation was so good. <laughs> okay, Gemma, tell the humans where they can connect with you, follow you, reach out if they're interested in finding out more about your PT program, etc. Cool, cool. Yeah, look, I am on all of the socials. So my personal social um, Instagram is the one I probably use the most, which is I am the real Gem Gem. 
long story behind that name. We're not going to get into it right now. Um, my business name is Better Than Yesterday Performance Coaching. Um, and I have an Instagram account for that, which is Better Than Yesterday underscore PC. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, I have a podcast of my own. I haven't done a great deal with, but I do have it. It's called the Spiritual Athlete Podcast. But okay. ultimately, I didn't really, I didn't really say much about like what my um, my client, like what I do with my clients. But essentially, and this is something that came to me quite recently because I was working with some clients who I adored, but I was like, mm, it's not quite fitting what I want to do. But really, what I'm about, I make people fucking strong I make them strong physically I make them strong mentally I make them strong emotionally and I work with people who have also potentially had injuries or anything like that but ultimately the main thing that I do if you want to get strong you want to get fucking powerful you want to lift weights like you've never known and you want to feel amazing in the process I work with nutrition side of things emotional side physical side the whole shebang and I've got a program and I've got a membership site that I'm launching yeah in the next couple of weeks that's so exciting so you do in-person training what part of Australia are you in for my listeners I'm in Sydney Australia so I'm in the western side of Sydney okay so if you're looking for in-person reach out to her about that anywhere else in the world she does online coaching Yep. And better than yesterday, better than yesterday.com.au is my website as well. Mm-hmm. There you go. And all of those links, as always, I'll put Gemma's bio and all of the links and everything below. So you're going to be able to click through, find her. You can find her through. I'll be promoting her when her, this episode comes out today, I guess. Although when we're recording it, it's like weeks ago. So I don't know. I just pigeonholed myself in a corner of time that I don't know how to get out of. Quantum leaps before you make two. I need to like step in the TARDIS and go back in time or something. But yes, you can find her through my socials. It's she, you will find her, find her, follow her journey. She's a badass. She's an amazing person to be connected to, and she will help you get strong in every single area. So if you resonated with her message, with her story, she's the person to reach out to. She really is. Okay. Gemma, what is one last tip lesson thing, piece of advice message that the universe has given you to give to the humans right now, as we close out? Don't be afraid of change. I think people are terrified of change. They're terrified of the unknown, but it's the unknown where you grow the most and it's the unknown where you will truly find your power. So, boom, oh, I just boom. got tingled. <laughs> I love it so much. That's perfect. I just got like butterflies in my stomach, which is the equivalent. Oh, thank you so much it. for joining us today, Gemma. I appreciate you having this amazing conversation with me for the humans on the Audacity Academy podcast. Listeners, thank you, thank you for another, uh, like joining me again and putting up with my shit for yet another fucking hour. It's so much fun. I can't get enough of this until next time. I love you all. And I will talk to y'all soon.